thank you. Um, so I was keeping grandkids yesterday. I didn't know I was till they showed up. And then I didn't know they were spending the night till the parents drove off. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they drove off and, and uh, so I, I was at the MCC meeting this morning, part of the MCC, and right as the meeting was beginning, Lance Brock goes, you know you have a sticker on top of your head? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you should, you should see my wife's office. There's probably 300 stickers in her office on every surface imaginable. Some three-year-old found the sticker box and that was that. Um, I have uh, really struggled some with what to teach this time. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit in a number of classes. And um, I was laying, laying in bed one night and, and just kind of said, so Jesus, what, what should I talk about? I mean, what, what should we talk about? And I, and I had this thought and it just seemed too easy. You know, it's just like, no, okay, so Jesus, you know, I rebuke, you know, it's like, it's just, and again and again, and then Jeannie and I talked yesterday, and she's like, oh, I think that'd be awesome, and I thought, okay, yeah, it's because about 35 years ago or so, I was a fairly young believer, I'd been, say, maybe 10 years or so, no, I'm older than that now, maybe 20, <laughs> anyway, somewhere back in the, in the uh, late 70s, however many years ago that was, um, a guy shared some of what I'm going to share with me just by way of, of do you understand what you got yourself into when you got saved? And I was like, not sure. Um, I was raised Catholic. I understand some of you studied about me in your cults class uh, growing up. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, so I was saved, radically saved at Billy Graham crusade and, you know, and uh, back in the 70s. And... Um, didn't know what that was about and this guy began to share with me some things and and I was like whoa this is did I know I was Billy didn't talk about this stuff you know I was like did I know I sign up for this some of this and um, I want to share some of that together and we're going to just explore this together what what is this what does being spiritual mean and, and what, is, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with that? Who are we exactly? What happened when I went down front of Billy Graham crusade or got baptized at the age of two, you know, down front at Church of Christ? My wife said she was saved pre, uh, pre-birth in the womb and she just has never, has never not known Jesus, you know, just never not known. So what was your salvation experience? She said, conception? You know, I don't know, I just, have, have always uh, known the Lord. So um, we've done the admin stuff, but um, Jeannie and Mike and myself, and then Jen will be a special guest speaker uh, from time to time. Those of you who are used to 314, I, I know this was like a shock to your system to come down here. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. I actually went down the gym stairs this morning and wandered around. You can't get to this room from that part of the building. I learned that this morning. So. Uh, so uh, Jeannie will be doing most of the administration. If you sign up, um, you won't get advertisements, but you may get handouts. You'll probably get a copy of the PowerPoint, things like that if we use PowerPoint um, from time to time. Um, so, so let's just start with a question. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I'll just leave it up there. I meant to pop up that. Don't look at the right half. Um, when someone says the word spiritual, like they're very spiritual or that was real spiritual, what, what has that meant to you kind of over the years? That's, that's spiritual. Just popcorn comments. They act the right way. They act the right way? Okay, so they're spiritual. They go to church. They, they go to church, yeah. They speak about God in their life a lot. Yeah, they speak about God in what? In their life a lot. In their life a lot, okay. Yeah, they, yeah, I have some millennial children who think of me in, in that light. Uh, it'll all burn off on re-entry, I'm hoping, when they, when they have to become responsible and not, you know, not get uh, their own uh, roasted coffee every morning. Um, Kind of the woo-woo spiritual, or the kind of new agey spiritual, or the Christian deism sort of spiritual. Sure. Yep. In old in old times, kind of church Christ circles, spiritual was like you know, the preacher spiritual. He's doing spiritual stuff, or we're we're doing kind of spiritual Reading kind of stuff. Bible every day, yeah. Every day, being good. Yeah. That that's and that's what it meant to all of us, sort of growing up. So if we say if we say they're they're really physical. What does that mean? Wow, they're physical. CrossFit. What's that? They're in CrossFit. Yeah, they're in CrossFit. I, we, ha we have a, a friend who's coming to have dinner with us tomorrow night who is number six in the world in the 30 to 34 triathlete thing. She used to live here um, and was down in Chattanooga competing. She didn't do that well this time, but oh my gosh. So she would be physical, right? Because she walks in, you know, just go, just don't, don't hurt me. Um, right. So, so physical means your the physical realm. Your body is strong. It's right. It's the physical realm. If you say somebody's intellectual, wow, they're really intellectual. What does that mean? It's almost like a dumb question, right? They it's like, like to think a lot. Yeah, they think a lot. They they really thought things through. They they love grand ideas. They love. They read a lot. Their their minds are are sharp. Um, they they really. And so, in in my so early on, I thought, well, there's a disconnect because this this being physical is about your physical body. Being intellectual is about your soul. Being spiritual is about your soul. You know, it's kind of like being spiritual doesn't have a home within me. Being spiritual is a description of attitudes or, or actions. And um, so way back, somebody said to me, do you, do you understand how wrong that is? And I'm like, no. And so um, I want us to explore this idea because getting this idea is critical to interacting with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely critical. It's critical actually to living a Christian life, but it's very different. So here is Paul, and this is 1 Corinthians. And so he's, he's talking to 1 Corinthians. And he says, I, brethren, I cannot speak to you spiritual, but to men of the flesh, as to infants of Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. You're still fleshy. There's jealousy and strife among you. Aren't you still fleshy? 
And so he's, he's talking about a kind of person or a, or a dominant characteristic of a person. And he's saying that dominant characteristic is fleshy. That dominant characteristic, and the word is sarkikos, where we get sarcophagus, right? So that's like a mausoleum or a concrete coffin. And, and if you look up all the definitions of sarkikos, it means you're influenced, primarily influenced or driven by physical desires, by the drives of your body, by uh, typical human nature, sometimes more the base physical drives. You're all about brain chemistry, okay? You're like, if my serotonin is low, everybody's gonna know about it, okay? Because I'm gonna be bitchy, you know, or I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be boss, I'm gonna take it out of my, you know, it's, it's, it's all about what, what I feel physically, I interpret, and then I live out of that. And so you could say, yeah, we're gonna go get drunk tonight. You know, you just, you kind of get that feeling of it is at its basest, being someone who's driven by the, the, the drives of their body. So what is, what our bodies consist of our senses and our drives and then the physical, our physical bodies. And so those bodies have drives, they have senses, I raised three sons, they turn 15, and oh my gosh, you know, it's like facial hair and oh my gosh, you know, it's like, take a shower. You know, it's just like, it's just, whoa, okay, you guys are like at, you're, you're like wanting to play sports and crash into people and, and you're just wanting to, and so, and so you go, okay, so th this, this is, is, and so Paul is, is looking at the the, the downside of this, the dark side of being fleshy, being driven by your fleshiness. And he's saying, look, I can't talk to you like your spiritual people because the primary drivers in your life tend to be the lusts of your body, the drives of your body. You, you kind of just, if you feel it, you just do it. You know, if you, if you feel a drive, you, 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 and so your brain is primarily used for ways to figure out ways to walk out the, the brain chemical drives that you have. I mean, if you see someone with a, with a serotonin or oxytocin uh, uh, depletion, you, you just watch them and they're just, they're going around trying to, desperate to find ways to feel better. And so that goes to drugs, goes to alcohol, goes to addictions. Those things are all a result of being this kind of a person, a sarkikos person. So sarkikosis, if we can make that up, um, leads to addiction, addictive behaviors, driven behaviors, kind of a base nature, okay? And Paul's saying, look, you Corinthians, um, I don't care how you disguise it. I don't care how you dress it up. I don't care whether you, you make it into a religious ceremony. I don't care about any of that. The, the, the basis of your existence, the, the primary basis is the physicalness. And I can't speak to you about spiritual things because you're gonna go, yeah, cool. Right, you're, you're not very interested. And so Paul is saying, so any questions about, so that kind of a person, the sarkikos person? See, Paul describes three kinds of people. So this is the first one, the sarkikos person. Now, all of us can be that at times. And sometimes um, in the right places and times, you're supposed to be that. You're supposed to let the drives of your body rule. You're supposed to be passionate about your mate. You're, su you're supposed to, you know, sometimes you get a sudden, sudden um, 
flush of, you know, you're supposed to get a sudden chemical rush in a time of panic and crisis where you can do amazing things and lift cars off of people and things. So, so it's, not, it's not bad on its surface, it just is what it is. And what he's saying is, is that when you live out of that, then I can't connect to you on spiritual things. I, it's hard to connect to you. And if you live only out of that without something regulating it, it tends to go to its basest, darkest side. And so we know people like that, and when we look in the mirror we say, you know, sometimes I'm that person. Sometimes I go, what was I thinking? You know, why did I, I went to the computer, I looked at that junk on the computer, and now I'm feeling crappy about it. What was I thinking, right? Or I lost my temper again with my kids, or I was feeling bad and I took it out on three drivers on I-65, you know, that sort of, so, so we all, we, we all take, a short trips into, into that world, hopefully short, um, and, and, and they're not, it's not on the face of it wrong. It's not on the face of it wrong to have a body and to understand its drives anymore. That, that's not a wrong thing. It can only be used wrong. Okay, so any, any questions about that? Okay, so, so Paul goes on. Um, I think I already talked about that. Okay, so here, um, so here Paul is talking uh, in 1 Corinthians, now chapter 2, and now he's talking to a different bunch of people. And he says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God, so we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but by the spirit, combining spiritual with spiritual. But a natural man, so now he's talking about a whole different type of person. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They seem foolish to him. They seem foolish to him. And he can't understand them because they're spiritually, and this word here is assigned value. It's like an appraiser. You go to an appraiser and he assigns value. And he says, he says, um, and so uh, somewhere, maybe I didn't put that in here, but it, but it says the natural man, and the word accept here is the same appraisal. In other words, the natural man can't rightly appraise things in the spirit. Okay? They seem foolish. They seem, they, they don't necessarily make sense to the natural man. And so you say, well, what's, what is natural? Well, natural is psychikos, where we get the word psychology, right? And so it is a mental focus, a focus on deriving truth from logic. It's a focus not on the drives of the body, but on the wonder of the intellect. Okay, so it's, it's I'm a soul man. So it, it's, it's, it's a soul person, their mind, their will, and their emotions. That's, that's the focus. And so the, so the psychicos man would debate endlessly about things. Think, think um, Pharisees, think Paul, pre, pre-salvation Paul. Super intelligent, can exegete, you know, in the Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic if you need it. You know, kind of, uh, so, so very, very erudite in their thinking, very smart. Um, but Paul says, look, the, the things of the Spirit of God to this kind of a person, and and, and it doesn't, there's not, there's not a sinfulness in here, but there's a focus. And the focus is, well, 
what about the, you know, what have the commentaries said about that? What, you know, so on and on. So the focus is always, let's get didactic about this. Let's exegete. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's do Bible studies on it. Or let's, let's look at what other writers have said. And, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I'm saying is, is, is when Paul says, look, when I try to talk to this kind of people about things of the Spirit, they go, really? I mean, you know, the fathers haven't said that, or, or you know, this, this uh, great Jewish commentator, rabbi, you know, when we read him, that's not what we get. You know, and sort of, so, so Paul runs into that again and again and again. Did you have a? Just a note that I had written down here in my version that says not spiritually discerned, but I had written in a praise probably because you said it. Ah. Uh, did we have this cut? No, I don't know. If we, but anyway, and so, um, so again, this, this kind of person, or, or I can be in that mode, okay? So it's, it's I can be in that mode. And that mode says, I'm going to put primary emphasis on deriving truth through analysis. That, that is deriving truth through study. That's my primary emphasis. I'm, my intellect, um, my will, uh, I'm, I'm going to be very self-controlled. I'm going to come up with rules and steps to keep myself controlled. I'm going to do six, six ways to not lose your temper. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to really put things in place in my mind to live my life, whatever it is. And whatever's out of, out of whack, I'm going to find a, 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 a uh, internet site that will give me eight tips to not lose your temper with your teenager. You know, it's, it's that kind of a thing, right? So, so I, I'm going to be filled with knowledge. And I have to say, I, I have lived much of my life that way. I mean, I, I'm like super geeky about a lot of stuff, okay? And it's, it's, it's really fine to be super geeky about a lot of stuff. It's just, what's your primary go-to? And so this says, and, and this is right out of somebody, it says, lacking in the divine. And, and that is, is <clears throat> I sort of leave room for God to speak, but I mostly say God has already spoken in Scripture. In fact, there is, a, there is a whole philosophy that said the Holy Spirit has spoken through Scripture and doesn't speak today. Okay, that, I mean, there, there's, there's whole churches that are set up that way, that operate that way, that preach th those kinds of things. The gifts of the Spirit were for the first century and have died out. There are no gifts of the Spirit anymore. Um, we have the Word of God. That is the perfect in 1 Corinthians 13. The perfect has come. And so um, we live that way. And so <clears throat> if, you're not a, if you're not a doctor of religion, a doctor of philosophy, a doctor of something, you kind of can't compete in that world. And so you'll see then in the Christian world um, that, that doctorates and <clears throat> exegesis and more and more ideas and then he has that idea and then I comment on that idea and then, then we have these ideas. And in some kinds, the ideas go way over here where, where maybe the divine isn't really divine and maybe Jesus was more of a made up thing. And you, know, you, you kind of, and so often the liberal sides and often the way conservative sides, you just go, so you're sort of circling around each other's ideas and spinning off into orbit over here, but we, the common men, are going, 
what, you know what, I, I wouldn't raise that way. You know, but, but we don't really have, if you don't play in that game, you're sort of defenseless. I mean, you get into a discussion with someone with a doctorate in something and can quote the Greek and you say, that just doesn't feel right to me. They go, well, it, you know, let me show you now. <clears throat> this word is cardio, not cardio. You know, you just kind of go, right? You can't compete in that world. Okay, and so, uh, and so that's the, the, third, the second kind of person. So we have the people who are primarily driven by the physical body. We have people who are primarily driven by the brain, the mind, the soul. And so then we've got this other thing. <coughs> Paul says, so back, I cannot speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh. So that's in 1 Corinthians 3. Let's go back here, and now we've highlighted different things. And he says, look, we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit's from God, so, so that we may know the things given to us by God, which things we speak, but even the words that we use aren't words taught by psychicosness, but they're taught by the spirit of God. They combine pneumaticos with pneumaticos. The natural man doesn't get these things. Why? Because they're pneumatically appraised. And so Paul is now describing a different way of living. And he's not describing, so when we say, when we define spiritual, we define it as doing holy stuff and you know, acting spiritual and being spiritual and blah. But spiritual is, is the cognitive. Is that the right word? It is the, is the, it's, it's the parallel idea with physical and soul. In other words, spiritual is a location, not an occupation. Just like physical is a location that drives behavior, um, psychological, psychicos is a location that drives behavior Spiritual is a location within me that drives behavior, belief, and lifestyle. It's a location. It's not a vocation. It's, it's not just a way of living. It's not you're spiritual because you go to church three days a week. It's not spiritual because you teach an OC Sunday school class. You're spiritual because you live out of a location within you called your spirit. Okay? That, that, that's, a, that's a way different way of thinking about it. See, we've taken spiritual, or somebody's taken spiritual, and wa so watered it down that most of us would go, you know, I kind of I, I don't want that label. You know, it kind of makes me irrelevant to most of the world around me. But that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture says, spiritual is pneumaticos, meaning relating to or influenced by the realm of the Spirit, that is the invisible sphere in which the Holy Spirit influences and leads. So we get pneumatic tires, right? Pneuma means air or breath. And so when we think about what it means to be a spiritual man, what, what it means to live like this, we go, huh, I wonder how you do that. You know, what, I mean, that's pretty different. And in fact, if you start down that road or live from that place and you try to explain it to a psychicos man, they're gonna pat you on the head. They're gonna go, that's nice. Oh, that's cute. Oh, they were so excited about the Holy Spirit. Isn't that nice? It's it just, it's like they'll grow up. 
you know? And Jesus says, unless you become like a child. And so you, you've got this conflict going on, and the conflict is rampant in Christianity today. It is absolutely rampant in churches today, this conflict. Not so much the conflict between sarkikos, but the conflict with psychikos and pneumaticos. That's where the conflict lies. It's a, it's a, you know, even when I say it, and I know I'm being recorded, I'm going, okay. Now, what I really mean is now, I'm not criticizing, you know, it's kind of like, because when you, as soon as you say that, you kind of open yourself up for some really long discussions that you're not going to win. Because the discussions will go psychicos on you immediately. And you can't win them. I mean, it, it, you know, it's like somebody else's home court advantage and only they get to shoot. You know, it's like, well, okay. Um, but when you, you also say away from the church community that the struggle is as much sarkikos versus the spirit. Yes. As much as it is the the soul. Uh, uh huh. It's, it's, it's because we try to battle the flesh on our own. Yeah. Uh, or you talk to a psychicos person, and my my immediate go-to for years has been psychicos. Well, I can talk you into the existence of God. You know, there's good evidence that there's there. You can you can convince someone they're they're wrong, but you'll never convince them you're right. You can talk them out of what they believe, but you can't talk them into what you believe. They have to experience it. They have to feel it. They have to encounter it. And so, uh, so, let's, so let's look at these three again. Hey, Janaby. Um, so each of them has a primary motivation, a way of operating, and certain outcomes. And none of these three, on the face of it, are wrong, sinful, inappropriate. They're not. All three of these are part of our makeup. The problem is who gets to who's the boss. That's the problem. The problem isn't we gotta, you know, just deny our flesh and you know live on a sleep on a bed of nails and that's been tried. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the, but but people so hated this that they just tried to kill it, destroy it, starve it, beat it up, rather than love it, cherish it, right? And so, so what, what we are called to be and to do is pneumaticos people. And you go, huh. Okay, wonder how you do that. Wonder how, how does, I need to go to another class. <laughs> because it, it's, it's a little, come on, front row, we saved it just for you. It, and so it's, and, and I have to say, so 35 years ago, when someone kind of showed me this, I was really sort of put off by it. I mean, I was like, this sounds hyper-spiritual. This sounds new age. This sounds, this doesn't sound, so, so I'm like an Ivy League science guy. This didn't sound like an Ivy League science thing, okay? This sounded like 
some go off to India and wear sandals thing, okay? And, um, and I, I'm uh, glad to tell you that uh, I'm still a geeky science guy, um, and yet I try to live this way, and it's, it's been amazing in my own life. Um, so having said that, um, Jeannie, do you want to just share a bit? Here, I'll give you this, and then you can do it from there if you want to. Great, now I'm recorded. <laughs> no, this concept has really been, um, you know how you experience something and then later you're like, oh, that explains it. It was like I was feeling this before. Now the physical side of it, truthfully, the the joke in our house is if you see our mama running the house is on fire because I've never been someone who really was into body buffeting so much uh, but the mind thing was my thing um, and scripture I grew up in a culture where learning the word and analyzing scripture and let me just say I feel like my spiritual journey all along the way God was still loving on me he just was I, I never thought I was out of the club because I didn't quite fully grasp all of this. That's not at all what I'm saying. But back in probably the early 90s, I remember reading a book called The Holy Spirit Makes No Earthly Sense. I don't know if any of you have heard of that book. I don't remember who wrote it. Do you remember who wrote it? Um, Terry, Rush. Terry Rush. And I read that book and it it was a little bit of this that really kind of rocked my world a little bit because I was raised with the Spirit wrote the Bible and then he left was really what I was uh, raised to believe so I started to see kind of a transition of that thinking in my own mind um, and I would love to tell you at that time I completely flipped but it's really been quite a journey that actually I'd say in the last two or three years has had even more of a blossoming and you think wow surely by the time you get in your 60s you will have figured that out but I think until the day you die you continue to uh, make those changes but here is how it looks and feels to me now S scripture is brought to mind by the spirit because of relationship um, conviction comes to me now because of relationship and I feel like I just have this companion that's uh, drawing me or pointing me or encouraging me um, toward the Lord, getting a word from the Lord. Mike and I were talking about this the other day, and I can't remember what your wording was, but it was like feeling not so much drawn toward right and wrong, but more drawn toward truth. Does that, does, you see what I'm saying? There's a, there's a difference there, because before, uh, my thinking was, is this right or is this wrong? And if it wasn't wrong, then I thought, okay I'm cool but but now I feel conviction about things that aren't necessarily right or wrong but they take me away from the heart of God and then in that case for me it's wrong um, a good analogy for me would be a lot of things in my life I've allowed to be static and it's, it's like a radio dial when it's not quite on the station you don't quite hear the voice very clearly but when it's tuned a little bit more then the voice becomes clear well a lot of things in my life I was allowing 
to be static and it and they weren't even bad things I think that's Satan's greatest trick right if he can take things that are not bad I you know the temptation to run off on some wild drunken immorality streak just wasn't my thing but to be distracted by worldly things or by um, work pressure or by worrying about my children or whatever it was was just enough static those were good things but they were keeping me from hearing the voice of God um, so I guess my testimony in all of this is I really think this describes what the abundant life is meant to be and that is uh, you're not hung up on the whim of is my life good and easy well then God is blessing me is my life difficult well then where is God well all of that goes on and I just feel like my rhythm of interacting with the spirit being drawn toward God is the same whatever the circumstances are and that's a really different way to live your life it's a, a freeing way to live your life and like I said I think it's the abundant life any questions <laughs> How'd you get there? What was a, oh, what was something that, was it some, some of the quiet, close your eyes, where is God, where are you, or what? Like what flipped the switch, you think? Yeah, what, what was that, how did you, how did you, remember, was there an experience, an encounter, as he's mentioned, that you feel like it tipped you over? Um, that's a great question. I'm kind of like Susan where when I was two weeks old, my parents took me to church. And so I've always been in this uh, environment of seeking God. Two things uh, event-wise. One was a few years ago, our, um, our son-in-law, and we've talked about this before, declared himself an atheist. And you know, he grew up in the home of, he was a missionary's kid. So this was a really big deal. And I found myself really having to kind of think through because he's very much Sarkikos guy with some of that brain thing thrown in. And that was a real searching time for me. And I had to decide, do I really believe this? And then it kind of came alive. And then Freedom Prayer actually has even pushed that a little further. And that's something what we've been talking about maybe in the last year or so. So, but not any kind of I didn't have a, like a light in the night kind of thing. We're going to be, in, in this class, we're going to be doing experiential things. Um, we're going to do some some teaching. Um, oh, it's on both sides. Um, some teaching and some experiential stuff. Um, nobody's going to be embarrassed by us. Um, you may be embarrassed some other ways. But yeah, so, so in this class, and there's a slide I can skip later, but but we're going to create a framework and, and add to it a little bit each week. But we're going to very quickly get out of psychicos mode and, and into, let's just ask God. Let's, let me give you some tools for this week. to just Because if it's hard, we couldn't do it, right? If, if you needed a, a guru and had to travel to Nepal, none of us could do it. But there's a simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ where he opens the door wide for us. If we draw near to him, he draws near to us. It's that simple. And when we make it hard, um, and then we find out it's that simple, we want to say it's foolishness. And I would just 
caution us not to do that. What does it mean unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, it, it might mean you need to be a little foolish. You need to be a little believing. Um, here is uh, Paul saying what I just said in one verse. Look at the order of those three. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think, I checked if it was alphabetical in the Greek, it's not. So, um, not that they even did alphabetical, I don't know. But um, he said, look, I pray that the God of peace would sanctify you. That means set you apart completely, spirit, soul, body, preserved without blame, everything. So every part of us is preserved without blame. That's, that's, his, that's his plan. That's his plan. But I'll tell you one thing. The soul is not very good at controlling the body. The soul is not very good at ruling your life. The soul is not good at revelation. It's not good at hearing God. See, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. This is my mobile home. I, I have more of a trashy mobile home than some of you, but I am a spirit. When I die, what happens is, is that my spirit is pulled out of this mobile home and is with God. Remember, it says Jesus gave up his spirit. Okay? When, when God created Adam, it, it says the body, he formed the body, and then it says he breathed spirit into him, ruach, breathed it into him, and Adam became a living soul. The soul is the marriage of the body and the spirit. So the body is made up of, you know, if you start with the layer cake from the outside in, you got skin and then you have organs and then you have brain. And then right at the difference between brain and mind, you, you switch over to the soul, right? Doctors and, and neuroscientists work with the brain. Psychologists work with the mind. And they argue with each other over what they're actually doing. And, Neuroscientists say, well, you're just creating chemicals in the brain. And he's saying, yeah, but the chemicals are a result of the mind. You know, and so they have this, this. So the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Okay, so that's how it works down through the layer cake. Mind, will, emotions. At the very bottom of the soul, we're going to talk about later, and I need to be cognizant of time, I'm over. Um, <clears throat> at the very bottom of the, of the soul, we, we slip into the spirit. We'll talk about what the spirit consists of later. I don't want to get into that. But so here's just the question um, that I want us to ask and think about this week. As a Christian, I rightly reject this idea of sarkikos. But do I land in psychikos and do I camp there? That's the question. Because the way God wants us to live is that the spirit directs the soul who is the steward and the soul directs the body who is the slave. Paul said, I buffet my body and make it my slave. Okay? But the spirit is to be the source of inspiration, of life, of direction, of, of everything that you are. And it directs the soul that directs the body. Okay? That's, that's the way we're to live. But that's, we're, we're, 
What does that mean, right? Um, and so many people, and different ones are getting testimonies, I'm sure, in here, but probably, I've probably been with 500 people, maybe 1,000 people, who when they encounter God for the first time, they go, why didn't somebody tell me this? I mean, just, right, <laughs> people are nodding, smiling in here. Why didn't somebody tell me this? What, how come I didn't know it was this simple? Huh, right? And so in this class, we're just going to help each other to, to think about it. We're going to really look at scripture so you know I'm not making this up. We're not going to make you do anything uh, uh, well, we might make you do something embarrassing or uncomfortable. No, <laughs> nobody's going to make you, but we're just going to ask God. We're going we're to practice how to encounter God together, and that will be that. Jeannie already talked about that. So this is what the class will be from here on out. So this is Truth and Lending. Uh, next week, we're going to pick up this idea and look at actually what a, what a born-again framework looks like. Um, we're going to look at how Adam was created, what happened when he fell, and what happens when you're born again, and how that how that that works through body, soul, and spirit? Okay, and then probably have another testimony. I'll be calling some of you. Any any last questions? When you say that I am a spirit, I have a soul. I am a spirit. I have a soul, and I live in a body. Yeah, that's how I would see it. I I I think that's how Scripture really says it. Okay. Lord Jesus, help us to understand your wonderful plan for us that we're not shocked when we get to heaven. Amen.